This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Day Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and with me to discuss another derby win are James, Kevin, Robbie and Jordan on the podcast for the first time. Jordan, we'll start with you then. It's becoming a bit of a routine, isn't it, going to Ewood and winning after 30 odd years without a win? That's two in a row. Yeah, it is. And it's um, obviously it's a fantastic win, uh, but we did deserve to lose, in my opinion. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, he had four chances for our goal. And then the Tom Lawrence miss was absolutely huge because we went down the other end and scored about 10 minutes later. Uh, but that's what makes it all the more sweeter, I think. Just like there's been over the years, there's been many times where we've had, we've been on the end of one of them, like i.e. the, the Dunno side goal, the road shin, um, the Olsen dive. You can keep on listening. There's no one that when Williamson pulled things back in the last minute. So to go over there and not deserve the win. And come out of there with the win. This makes it all the more sweeter, in my opinion. I think it's it's certainly fair to say that we we do gain maybe a touch of luck in one of them. But um, the stats don't necessarily tell the whole story. But I think the stats from this game indicate that Rovers had the best of it, and I think most people would probably agree with that. Um, Robbie, we can say that Rovers were the better side on the day and created more, but in the end, we were the team that managed to score a goal. And in truth, Tom Heen didn't have that much to do. No, not an awful lot. Uh, I think it was just the road save he made. It's like a minute or so before we scored. Um, but yeah, like Jordan said, it tastes even sweeter when we didn't even deserve the win. Um, I thought the second half, we started quite poorly. I think, in, in fact, overall, I thought the the overall performance, one of our poorest performances of the season. I don't think we played that well, apart from until after we scored, when we defended really, really well. Michael Keane won everything in the air. Joey Barton was... Excellent, definitely man of the match. What a piece of business he's proved to be. And Andre Gray, despite not really having a, a clear sight at goal, I thought he did ugly things really well. Gets Hanley on his toes all afternoon. Thought he were brilliant as well. Um, I think there's a, a few regular known and ever listeners again going to spit the coffee out again because I'm going to be a, a positive one for the, probably the second time in three weeks. Oh my god. I know. Let me just check. This is recording, so we definitely <laughs> get this down. No, but I, I think I think I think the you, you guys have been a little bit harsh. I think I don't think I don't, I don't think we deserve to lose. I, I, I think actually overall it was pretty even game. Um, I think you you look at the okay they had more chances than we did, but you look at the, the way they've been defending at home this season. It's been very very good, and they're obviously very difficult to break down um, at Ewood Park. Um, and we scored a goal against them, which is what a lot of teams haven't have, have failed to do. Uh, and then you look at their chances, and you, you can look at some of the chances they missed and say, okay, they were bad misses. But actually, I think you can give a lot of credit to our defenders. Um, in fact, in the, and not just this game. I think there's been a few games where we've been, we've, it's looked like we've been let off the hook a little bit. But actually, you look at the pressure our defenders are putting on these forward players, and they're having to just scuff their shots and have first time shots and and shoot from difficult angles and shoot it from places and times we might want, not want to. Um, the Lawrence one is probably the, the only one which is the exception to that. I think uh, I think there was a few road shots in the first half where ideally he, he'd, have been, he'd have liked a lot more time and space, and against a lot of other opposition, he would have been had that time and space. Uh, there's the one just before the goal where, where Tom Heaton saves it, and it was actually it was a rubbish shot from Rhodes, but I think it's Keane's pressure. 
Um, but forces that poor shot. Nine times out of ten, Rhodes is is never going to just pass to a keeper like that. Um, so I think we, I think actually to say that we deserve to lose or to say that they were, were a better team, I actually think it was it was very even. And it's just the way the two the, the two defenses operated was slightly different. But um, yeah, I think we can give our defense a lot of credit. I don't think it was a case of them them messing up, and I think it was a chance of us a case of us defending well. I thought it was quite a poor game. There wasn't much quality in the first half in particular. It was one of those derbies where interesting for t- fans of those teams, but I don't think anybody else would have been particularly um, enthralled by it. It was one of those where it was uh, a bit of a battle. I think quite little quality in the final third from either side. I think the chances were few and far between, really. You know, neither side created a great chance I'd say in the whole match the Lawrence chance is probably the best of the lot and we scored from probably a half chance um, James what did you make of Burnley's performance we've heard a lot about how Rovers were on top but Burnley held Rovers at arm's length really yeah to be honest I mean when people are saying that we didn't deserve to win I don't think we deserve to lose either I think um, you know apart from a few chances that you'd, you'd think a player like Jordan Rhodes would take better um, there wasn't really you know, much for them to say that they, they should have scored and, you know, dominated us. I think it was probably a game that really had nil-nil written all over it until, you know, Arfield came up with a very nice strike. I think it's it's one of those, isn't it, where it was either going to be a mistake or a really good goal to settle it in the end. Um, just to come back to Rhodes, they say that he scores when he wants, he clearly doesn't want to score against us very often. He seems to not play that well. But I saw something online saying that he dominated Keane, but for me it was the other way around. Rhodes had a few half sights of goal, but didn't really ever look like he was going to score. Um, Jordan, I think you had something else to add before I rudely interrupted you. Uh, yeah, um, well, I was sat I was, I was sat in the Jack Walker stand, um, I was covering the game for you guys and a couple of other publications, and from my from my angle, I thought that he was. I, I thought Rhodes had the better of Keane uh, in the second half, where he spun him for the for the chance. And then he, you say that he tamed the shot at um, at Tommy. What he came out well, but he should have done better. And also, when he had the chance on the edge of the box in the first half, the Duff and Keane were quite ten yards away from him. And it, a better finish, like Arfield esque, would have would have seen them go one 0 up. So it was a great win, and. Obviously delighted with it, but I think there is a lot of room for improvement. And saying that, I know we're third in the league. So it's been a very harsh critic. I'm not having a dig, but I think there's room for improvement. I think we've said that time and time again on the podcast. Isn't it? You know, we always get people complaining, saying uh, <laughs> we're third in the league. Why can't you just be happy? But yeah, I think it's fair to say there's a lot to come. Um, Robbie, you were in the away end at Ewood with 5,000 other Burnley fans. What was the experience like compared to a couple of years ago? Um, uh, I don't know, it was just as awful because you try not to have a heart attack in the final five minutes or so um, but yeah when the final whistle went it was amazing. Rovers played a, a video before the, the game didn't they to try and get the fans riled up or something Yeah, that was hilarious in the end um, <laughs> Yeah, they had all the, the Blackburn Burnley classics they called it uh, so they showed the uh, the, when the Yammer does 5-0 on April Fool's Day back in 2001, was it, I think? So that that was pretty... I've, to me, you don't do things like that when you're playing such a massive game against your local rivals. So when that final whistle went, it was even sweeter. Presumably there was nothing in there from the last derby. It was. No, of course it wasn't, no. <laughs> um, Joey Barton got the, the Man of the Match award, I think, on, on Sky Sports. It was certainly a decision I agree with, I think. Our best periods of the game, Barton was was dominating the game, and um, in terms of his temperament, we always seem to come back to his temperament on the podcast. But it was exemplary, absolutely spot on. Again, um, there was one particular incident we talked about the penalty shout when when Hanley fouled him for my money and then tripped him up for good measure, and Barton was totally zen, just didn't bother him at all. Um, and Kevin Barton's made a big difference, hasn't he? It's, it's ten points from twelve get. 10 points from 12 games, 10 points from 12 points since Barton came into the team. And you can really tell that he's he's, he's a class above what we were doing before. Yeah, 10 points from uh, 12 games would be... Would that would be, be rubbish. Yeah, um, I think there's two, there's two, there's two um, not very coincidental things to think about there. One is those, those 10 points have come as soon as we've, we've got a midfield, uh, which is what we didn't have before. 
Uh, but I think the second one is on on Saturday at Ewood. We Blackburn were were the start of the, the start of the game much stronger than we did, um, and it was when it was when Barton got that had that penalty decision turned down. That I think the game the game turned a little bit and it, it began to even out a little bit more. And then we had a, a period of pressure ourselves, and everything we did in the in the ten fifteen minutes after that penalty decision was was Barton. He he was winning the ball, he was playing the ball, and he was involved in absolutely everything we did. And I think he was really pulling the strings at that point. In in a way, I've not seen a, a Burnley midfielder do for quite some time. Actually, I think he, he's, he's in a very different mould to what to what Jones and and Bart and, uh, and Marnie do. But he was really really controlling the midfield, and it was fantastic to see. And yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that our best spell of the game came after uh, after when when Barton had really had really picked up. Um, and I think he got my other match on Sky as well, and it, it was it was well deserved. Yeah, I think he was at the heart of of, of everything we did. Uh, and you can see that um, he he's really fitting in with the lads. For, you know, the team really seemed to, to seem to value his opinion, um, and seem, he seems to have slotted in really well. And yeah, his, his temperament. If there was any questions about it, he he he, he was an ultimate pro for on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I had a few reservations about his signing, um, but so far so good. One little thing I noticed was that immediately after the game, he was he was tweeting about a rugby match, and just didn't even mention the derby. It was just like no big deal. Just gone to work, won the derby, met thousands of people, extremely happy. Not even going to mention it. It's fine. Rugby's on. <laughs> James, we should talk about the goal in particular. Scott Arfield, his form's been a bit mixed this season. He's forced to play out of position, in my opinion. Although I'm sure you disagree, but signs that he's coming into his better form again. And what a time to score your first goal of the season! Yeah, I mean it's so strange as well. He scores it from the middle of uh, middle of the park as well. It kind of where he'd be if he'd been playing centre midfield. Yeah, I think he's you know he's, he's starting to play quite well. I don't think he'd been playing particularly badly before. You know, I think a lot of it was to do with just I don't think him and uh, Jones are, are a combination that. You know, really, really figures out. So it's just, you know, I think one of those things that it's it's working out a bit better now. Um, you know, I think Barton's obviously made a massive difference to the side, which probably makes it a little bit easier for other players in the midfield to have better games. Um, obviously, it's cracking goals. So after, I remember a few years ago in the derby when he was the sole reason we didn't win after his awful back pass. Um, I said he should never play for Burnley again. So. At least I've improved significantly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think it was both you and Andy on the other podcast both said he should never play for Burnley again. They were incandescent. I remember that podcast well. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a slight barren spell for Arfield and from goal. I think he's, he's in Jim the promotion season. He was he was he probably scored a few by now. I think, but. During that season and last season as well, there's something that stood out in Arfield that he scored big goals. Um, obviously, he got that big one against Chelsea, which was the first one in the Premier League. But when he, in the promotion season, I think it was either all or most of his goals were, were winners or, or or kind of point winners. Every single one of his goals was important, um, which was quite remarkable. I think we we talked about it a couple of times on podcasts, and he always seems to score big goals. And this was um, the perfect time for him to get his first goal of the season, I think. Um, and yeah, hopefully, he's for, he's for, been out wide. Um, back in his, his more comfortable position, I think. Hopefully, he can he can come in and get a few more now for the rest of the season because um, his goals were a huge part in our promotion um, campaign, and we're going to need, need need more of them this season um, if we can if we're going to do it again. We've got to talk about the celebration, of course, as well. We were calling it the reverse Adebayor awesome. in, the, in the office because of the way he charged the length of the field. Jordan, that's certainly going to be something that lives long in the memory for, for anyone who was there or anyone who's watching on telly. Those are the sorts of moments that, that you cherish as a football supporter. Yeah, I think every fan cherishes that. Like, like the pictures that have been going around social media in the last few days where you're just getting snapshots of the Blackburn Rovers fans with hands on their head and they're absolutely priceless. You, you, that's something you just can't buy in football. And, um, yeah, he said himself it's the, it was the greatest moment of his career to date. So it shows how much it means to him. And the players themselves, you can tell they're digging in. And like, every single player went down uh, to celebrate with the fans. And it's just, it is, it's a magical moment. Like, Tommy is a Burnley fan himself. So it, I remember last time we went, then he, he ran in front of like, the, uh, 
the Ronnie Clayton end or the Blackburn end, and he, he was doing like running, doing somersaults and jumping in the air, and that's what every every fan was doing on the, on Saturday, uh, including myself. So yeah, it's a special moment, and hopefully we can do the double over them now this season. That would be uh, that would be that would be good to go on to win promotion after it as well. It would be good to beat them at the turf because that's obviously the the last record, isn't it? It's been a long, long time. How did you manage to to keep hold of yourself in the press box? Can't imagine what that was like. Uh, well, I can tell you, like there was a good contingent of, of people in that. Uh, I won't name any names, but people <laughs> in the club, uh, local journalists who were jumping on the feet and uh, and yeah, you've got to, you've got, got to try and keep your decorum because you've got. The Bay and Blackburn fans all around you, and they're quite close to you there as well. So you've got to quite, quite kind of keep your head, and then you've got to try and get back on with doing what you're there to do. And then I was taking videos of the fans, just trying to get as much at that moment as possible because we just know how special it is. So yeah, um, a bit dangerous jumping up and celebrating right in the, the lion's den, but uh, it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, George Boyd was, was back in the side. I was a bit surprised to see his name on the, the team sheet. He's clearly a favourite of of Sean Dyches. How did you think he did coming back into the team after a game away through injury? I can't say I particularly noticed him do anything noticeable apart from... Probably not a good sign. <laughs> I didn't notice him. Was Boyd playing? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I expected Taylor to start him getting a, a last-minute goal in midweek. and But it must be a fitness thing when it comes to Matt Taylor not starting games because I just don't understand. That. We just seem to have a better balance when Taylor starts, when Taylor comes along. You know, he's... he's He's a massive impact player for us. You know, scored three or four goals, a couple of assists. I couldn't believe it when he didn't start. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. I think we we do all assume that it's fitness with Taylor. I think Dash um, alluded to it, didn't say so in as many words, but he's getting on a bit. And it's a while since he'll played two games in a week, and obviously he played the 90 minutes at Forest, didn't he, and got that last-minute goal, so it's not like he'd only just had a cameo. Um Kevin Boyd's form, though, it's it's still a bit of a concern, isn't it? He's not contributing anything like as much as, as we would have hoped at the start of the season. I think you could have finished that question at he's not contributing. Uh, because, oh, well, because That was just mentioned, He you're not noticing him. And uh, I think last season, it's, it's weird that last season in the Premier League, you noticed him doing a lot more than when you are doing now in the Championship. And I think he was one of those players that we thought was going to come down and he was going to be one of the championships outstanding players. Um, one of those sort of not good enough for Premier League, but too good for championships type figures. Uh, and it's just not happened yet. Um, I don't know what's, what, why, why that's not happening. But yeah, I think we all expect him to come and take the league by storm. And it's, it's just not happening. And I agree uh, with what you've both said. I, I really expected and hoped for Taylor to play. And you've got to, you've got to admit, you've got to guess that it's, it's fitness issues because, I think Taylor's contributed more uh, in a few substitute appearances and, and that one start when Boyd has contributed all season. Um, that said, like, like we've said about the whole team, the whole team as a, as a unit isn't probably clicking yet. It's not. We're not played particularly well in any games, I don't think. Um, we're third in the league, and if Boyd's in the team and we're beating Blackburn away, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to complain too much. Minor quibbles, I think, at this stage. Minor quibbles. Uh, one point I'd say on, on Boyd is that his, his work rate, obviously we know all about his work rate, but I just start to wonder if a lot of the running is, is, is not effective. I the, the goal that Rotherham scored stands out for me. OK, it's a fantastic hit, and the lad's done extremely well to score from there. But George Boyd is just stood five yards away from him and just backing off and just letting him take that shot. He's invited him to hit that. And I think maybe Boyd last season would have been more in his face and stopping him from doing that. I'm not saying he's been lazy. I just don't think he's working as hard as we used to. Um, is maybe a diplomatic way of putting it. And I think it's maybe just a bit of a confidence thing, maybe. It does seem to be a bit of a trend with us at the moment. We seem to be allowing opposition wide players to cut inside and deliver crosses and I think it's a very dangerous game to play perhaps we're just comfortable defending crosses maybe that's a tactic to, to try and get teams to, to play that way because we've got two two defenders who are very good in the air of course Duff and Kane you'd probably say among the, the best headers in the, the championship defence I, I think that was one of the suggestions which we made last season and but we, we talked a lot last season about um, conceding so many goals from headers and I can't remember who it was but somebody came on either on the site or on the podcast, and actually suggested that 
um, actually, it was because the way Sean Dice set up, he, he's, he's forcing players out wide. Um, he set up his team, but he didn't want players to come into us from the centre and attack us down the middle. Um, he actually he was forcing teams out wide, which, which meant, and I think there were some stats to go over it, but we were facing a lot more crosses in terms of percentage of attacks were coming out wide uh, than any other team. Um, and I think that's the reason we were conceding a lot of cross, uh, goals from headers last season. It's just because we forced teams to attack us that way. And obviously our, our, our defenders might be good at, uh, at defending those type of balls, but obviously the numbers were coming up against the Premier League and the quality of players is slightly different. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're, we are comfortable in that position, certainly in the Championship. And yeah, I think that is, that is a, a tactic that Daesh seems to employ. The win took us second in the table, of course, and we dropped down to third, I think, because of, of Hall's result. But we're in a very good position at this stage of the season, aren't we, James? And we keep saying on the podcast how much more there must be to come because we've still not really played that well. Yeah, no, we're in a great position, you know, for this time of the season. And, um, you know, I think if you asked uh, Sean Dyche what he'd rather we had, you know, a slow start with a, a good, strong finish or, you know, a strong start with a bit of a slow finish, yeah, I think it's obvious which one he pick, and you know, I, I, I think if you can start the way we have, maybe, you know, not your best, but you're winning games, picking up points, and you know you've got a baseline to build on, then I think you know it'll make for a, a nicer end to the season if we if we do pick up our form because I think fans will be a lot more confident that, you know, we could be in one of the top two spots come the end of the season. The clean sheets are starting to come in as well. That's two out of the last three we've had clean sheets. We've only conceded one in the last three games, so that's another positive to build on. Um, Jordan, how do you assess the this, this season so far? Is it a case of fans are expecting a bit too much? They're expecting us to go out there and be scoring three or four goals every game? It's we, We're winning games, but only by the old goal, but fans seem seem unhappy with the way we're playing for some reason. Well, to quote Sean Dyche after the game, he's, he's saying we know how to win, and in this division, I, I, you're never going you're never going to go steamroll people three or four nil. Whoever you are coming down, it's a tough league to get out of. And I think with the surpassing my expectations at the moment, performance wise, I mean not performance wise, results wise, performance wise, however, they are they're not playing that well, but the winning, so you can't complain regarding that. I think. That I should utilise the squad more. I think he is playing me and Derrickwa, and I'd like to see. I'd like to see, as I said earlier, Ward come in at left back. Just not don't drop them out of the team for six, seven games. Give Ward a chance and just see what he can do because our field's now gone back out wide left. So we need someone to try and get past, um, get, try and get past him, and just try and give us a bit more width when we're going forward. Derrickwa does it well on the other side. But again, we've not seen much of Lawton. But if it, if you're coming to me and asking me that, I'd say, yeah, because on Saturday, uh, Arfield, he drifts inside. And me, does, he doesn't like to run past him. So that, at that point, that's when we just looked really narrow. And maybe that's why Dyche doesn't play two out-and-out wingers, because he, he wants us to stay more narrow. Uh, so then we can be more compact than people are coming out wide to us and getting balls in to us that way. But... I think that we brought Hennings in. He seems like a bit of a strange signing to me. Uh, he's, he's, he was our record signing for was it a week before we signed Andre Gray, and it hit. I, I think the the first choice strikers picked themselves Vokes and Gray. So I think on balance you've got to be delighted with the position Burnley in and to go on and push on, play even better, and, and try and secure a top two position. Robbie, I suppose that the key thing is that. A Sean Dash team is always going to be quite tough to break down, and and in Gray in particular, we've got someone who does have the potential to make the difference in tight games. Yeah, he um he didn't like I said earlier, he didn't really have a, a great sight at goal on Saturday, but he he chased everything. He uh I think it was like in the 80th minute, balls going out for a throw, and he could easily leave it, but he still goes chasing it down, does making the defender make a decision, and I think those little things like that make a massive difference. To, like making the team tough to tough to beat because you're defending from the front, um, but yeah, he's he looks a really great deal so far. He's not he's not quite the nine million pound which guy keep going on about, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he looks a, a good finisher as well. His his goals against Bolton were well taken, and I think he's got definitely got fifteen twenty goals in him. So I think a player like that can help us get back into the Premier League. 
I think it's it's natural that there's a, a, a little period of adaptation isn't there, with any new player who comes into the side. I think we have to learn the sort of service Gray thrives on and Gray has to learn that we're going to be a bit direct at times and he has to be able to win the ball in the air as well. Um, Kevin? Yeah, I was. Gonna, I think I think Gray's got all the attributes to be almost a, a complete player. He's, he's, he's one of those players, he, he's, a great, he's a great finisher, but he's... Is uh, is great in and around the box and outside the box as well. He's great with the ball at his feet, and it's, I think it's rare to have a player who is who's got all those attributes. So that's that's really encouraging to see. Um, and I think I'm just, just talking about the expectations. I think when we did the the, the preseason podcast, I think um, I think pretty much all of us expected us to be around the, the lower half of the playoffs, um, maybe lurking just outside, maybe just be, just missing out or just breaking in at, at kind of fifth or sixth place. Um, Albeit that was before we signed Gray, but I think we, we were all quite pleased with the, the strike force anyway at that point. I think it was more further back that we had questions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see where we are, and actually, I, I, I'm really, I, I, I'm quite confident that we can go on and get a, a first or second place now, um, which is something I wasn't at the start of the season. I was one of those. I was, I thought we'd, we'd probably scrape into the playoffs, perhaps. Um, but the, the fact that we're getting the, these wins despite not being in top gear, in, in top gear, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I think it's also encouraging to hear Dice openly admitting that as well. I think every game so far, he's always been very clear that we're not where he wants to be yet. Um, he's not entirely happy with how we're playing. Um, and like Jordan said, it's for we're finding a way to win. Um, it is what he, keep, he keeps saying. And always, you know, saying there's more to come from the lads. Um, so I think that's encouraging, but he's, you know, we might have preferred him a table, but he's, he still wants to improve quite a lot. And I think we are doing, I think every game we're getting better and better. Um, I think we're, we're better now than we were, we were a month ago and we were better a month ago than we were a month before that. Uh, which again is, is really good to see. And I think we're, we're slowly getting there. And I think by, by, by Christmas, um, if not before that, but I think probably by December, hopefully we'll, we'll be in our stride a bit more and, and playing a lot more like we, like we we expect to see the, the team playing, but um, I, I'd, I'd more I'd more than happy see us playing rubbish and grinding out wins uh, and getting into a top two spot than than playing glorious football and missing out on the playoffs. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic and long, long may it continue, and I, and I think it will do as well. well that's the question. Isn't it? It's the it's the balance between the football and the. The results and at the moment you probably wouldn't swap the results because we're getting the results um, one of the things for me I think maybe people look back with maybe claret tinted spectacles back to a couple of years ago and it's a bit revisionism for me because two years ago we were grounded out a lot of games as well I remember towards the end of the season we went to Barnsley and scored early and then defended for 90 minutes pretty much against one of the worst teams in the league and we didn't make any effort to score a second goal that night and we've done that a bit this season as well. I think at Rotherham we scored one and assumed that was going to be enough and didn't try to score another until they equalised. And I think that's going to be the case for a little while until the team gels a little bit more and maybe until the likes of Marnie have, have come back and give us a little bit extra as well. Um, but James, we've got to, to emphasise how strong Burnley look. I mean, you look at the league table and there's teams that we'd expect to be around there, Hull you'd expect to be up there, Brighton maybe a bit of a surprise package, but looking at who's up there, there's no reason why, as Kevin says, Burnley can't be in the top two at the end of the season. No, and I think as well, if you you know, you know look at the table, um, some of those teams you maybe think are playing a little bit above the level. Um, obviously, until, until the weekend, Reading were right up there, and I'd, I'd say they'd look like a really good side at the turf, but you did wonder sort of how long they'd, they'd keep that sort of top two performance going. Um, you know, Hull's not a huge surprise. They've come down from the Premier League as well. You'd expect them to, you know, have a chance of being up near the top. But I think, you know, Brighton's maybe the surprise package. In past years, you might have said that. They've always looked like they're going to be a decent side, but obviously they're unbeaten so far this year. But, you know, I think at the moment, it's mainly the teams up there that you expect to be in. We're not playing at our best and, you know, we're joint second really on, on points if you disregard the goal difference, and I think our uh, you know our defensive side of the game is coming together a lot better now, which is you know the difference at the moment between us and Hull on goal differences. There's only, they've only scored one more, but they've conceded a few less. Um, but I'd say that was mainly down to our first few games of the season where we we conceded more goals than you expect a, a Sean Dash side to. But as you said before, we've strung together a couple of clean sheets now. 
And uh, it looks like, you know, the only way is up as far as um, our defensive record goes. Happy days, indeed. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, those of you who pay attention will have noticed that there wasn't a podcast last week. Essentially, that was a, a mix between a technology issue and a Jamie issue where I didn't check that it was recording. So we recorded a very good podcast um, and you'll never get to hear it. So it's, it's going to be the lost podcast, like those old Doctor Who episodes that never got aired. Um, so, yeah, sorry about that. But we will talk a little bit about the Forest and Bolton games next to make up for it. But first, just a little bit of a plug for... Um, our Twitter and Facebook and all that. You can get us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash net and Twitter is the same net. It was a follow. Get in touch. If you've got any feedback or questions or anything about the podcast, you can email us as ever as well. Podcast at net is the email address for all podcast-related questions. And if you want to get involved, please do get in touch. We always want new people, um, new voices, like Jordan's today to come on the podcast and give us a fresh perspective. So please do get in touch. Um... Like I say, we'll talk a little bit about the other two games, although we could easily do probably an hour podcast just on the derby and how brilliant it is to beat Rovers again. Um, but Jordan, the Forest game in particular, to leave it so late but still grab a goal and equalise, that's, I think that epitomises the character of this team, doesn't it? They never know that they're beaten. Yeah, of course. Um, it also shows the strength of our squad, like the guy who scores the equaliser, he can't even get on the pitch in the derby. Um, but it was one of them games, it just frustrates you with Burnley. The, they should have won, could have lost, and in the end we were happy with the draw. Um, and I think that kind of spirit and doggedness, going to Forest, it's not never easy, no matter what position they're in, or no, no matter, Forest is a, it's a big club and it's... Burnley traditionally don't do very well there. So to go there and get a point, if we're getting points like that on the road, like a good win at Rotherham, like, and there's no easy games in the, these divisions. And like, with the next two home games, we've got Fulham, uh, we've got well, Huddersfield, then Fulham. If we get two victories in the space of four days there, we could close in on Brighton, who I, who I do think, I know they said it about Burnley when they went up, but I do think Brighton's bubble will burst. Like, because you, if you look at their their squad, and they they come to the, the turf uh, near the end of November, um, and normally with Burnley, you think, oh, but I'm, I genuinely think we're a better squad and a better team, have more about us than Brian, who obviously sit top. So it's looking it's looking good, like just to like actually come back to Forest. Uh, but when Burnley go away now, you go rather in expectation rather than hope, and. That's testament to Dyche, who I think is one of the best managers he is in, in the league. And we'll be lucky to hold on to him with... I've, I've heard, I've not seen any odds, but I've heard he's strongly linked with Villa today. Um, again, in my opinion, that would be a good fit for him and for them. But we want to keep him, obviously, because I think, I think if he had a bash at taking us back up this season and it didn't happen, I think a lot of Burnley fans would wish him well and said if he went on to... Uh, to bigger and better things but I think just to stay here this season give it one last push for Burnley try and get us promoted to that money next season which is meant to be astronomical I think um, yeah I think it could it could prove dividends this season Robbie one point on the Forest game that, that springs out was of course the sending off of, of Henry Lansbury I'm sure Burnley fans enjoyed that one it was a particularly bad challenge on Ben May as well he left a foot in it was a really nasty one yeah, it looked an absolute shocker, and he, I was a little bit annoyed, really, because I, was it only it one 0 at the time, but I put a bit on for Lansbury to score against us because it was pretty much inevitable. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we would have actually got the point if Lansbury was on the pitch, so I think a, a little bit of us should be thanking him in the end after he bantered us off in the summer for not signing for us. Lansbury is a claret, I reckon. It was just a, a bit of regret. I had an argument with the Forest fan on Twitter, actually. I basically said that he wouldn't get in our team now, and he was claiming that he walked from Forest like the middle of the bottom half and Lansbury hasn't been that good this season or last season and instead of paying four million for him we got Joey Barton on a free so to be honest I don't think there's any regret there on on Lansbury um again before the Forest game Kevin Bolton at home um a bit of a routine win over another team in the bottom half two more goals for Andrea Gray very sharp in the penalty box and he's going to put those chances away. He is, yeah. And I think it's like I said earlier, it's, it's it's really rare to have a player who is who is very good at finishing, but also very good with the ball at his feet and in and around the box. Um, 
So it's, it's great that we've got Gray, who's got those qualities, and he's, he's definitely got some. He's definitely very raw in places as well. He's got a lot of development to to continue with, but he's still only young, and and he, and he will make that. You look at the, the strikers we've brought through over the years, um, um, and, and okay, under different different regimes and different managers and different individuals, but. Um, the, the, the strikers we we've got a very good stri- record of bringing strikers who are have got those those raw qualities, but and, and maturing them and making them to, to top class and even England international um, players. Um, and I, I, Gray looks very hungry. Looks very like he's got the the right head on him. And I think he'll he's he he'll, he'll get there. Maybe not to the England international um, level that Danny Ings is at, but maybe maybe he will as well. Gray reminds me a bit of Troy Deeney, actually, which is ironic considering we tried to buy Troy Deeney, apparently, um, last summer and couldn't because we couldn't afford him and then spent all the money in the world on Andre Gray. But, yeah, I think he's got similar sorts of attributes to Deeney. Um, in terms of his hunger, I think it's quite interesting that he's, he's come to professional football quite late compared to players these days. A lot of players are cosseted in youth team systems from 12, 13-year-old, even younger. And Gray was playing non-league football at, what, 20, 21 years old, similar to um, Ings and Austin as well. The same sort of career development that they've had have been put from non-league and moved the way up quite quickly. So I think that hunger certainly tells in his game. And James is, is a player that clearly loves goal scoring, and that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but he's, he's really got that desire to get on the end of chances, and he's going to score a lot of goals. Yeah, no, he, you know, he's. I think he's shown that he's, he's going to score a lot of goals for us. He's, um, you know, he's impressed. I know he's had a few quiet games as well, but um, even when he doesn't seem to get too much of a sniff of goal, he, you can see the energy he's putting into it. And obviously, that kind of energy is normally what what comes with goals. I know um, a few Brentford fans did level that, that he, he needs ten chances to score one or something like that. But you know, on current evidence, I'd say that was pretty unfair. Um, and you know, if, if he can keep going the way he has, and I think you know, under under a manager like Dash, he'll improve. Um, and considering the goals he scored last year, you know, we could be looking at you know another another good twenty plus uh, goal scorer. And if that happens, and we get promoted, then I don't think you can argue with him being worth you know the like just less than nine million pound. It's going to be with add-ons. And I think like someone mentioned earlier, I think. Um, Gray deserves a lot more credit than he'll probably get for for the Blackburn game, um, and and probably other games as well. In, in the, he didn't get any of the headlines. He didn't have any of the the key moments. He wasn't involved in the goal. He wasn't involved in in, in much really up top himself. But what he did do was he ran about an awful lot, but not in an Ian Thomas Moore way, but um, in in an angry Gray way. But he put a lot of pressure on the defenders. He he forced. Uh, put, forced them to think about things. He forced for them to to not be allowed to come as far up the field as they probably like to do, um, and he allowed them to our both our team to to progress up the field a lot more. But also he, he stopped the Blackburn team from getting forwards in as many numbers as they'd like to. Um, yeah, and I, I think that just the, the way he 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 put about himself at the top was very selfless, um, and and was probably a big contributor to our to our win despite. Um, not grabbing any of the headlines himself. I've heard, I've heard that. I think um, you know a big problem early in his career was kind of his attitude and the mental side of the game, and it, clearly that's improved a lot. Um, Are you going to tell your story about when you no, saw no, him play no, for no, Rutland? No, I'm not going to tell a story. <laughs> I, I, I've heard this separately to my story, but it, it kind of makes my story make sense, I guess. Um, but you know, I think. The mental side of the game is something that I think Sean Dash is, you know, a really good coach to to bring out in players. So, you know, if that was what was his big barrier earlier in his career when he, you know, he wasn't quite making it, then you know the sky's the limit now when you've you've got a manager like Dash working with you. I think increasingly as well as as we have these excellent strikers who come through and all right, maybe they only stay for a couple of years, but we'll be seen as a bit of a finishing school, no pun intended, for strikers. They'll think, I can go to Burnley, score a lot of goals, develop my game, and get a big move. And fair enough, we'd like to see players stay at the club for a long time, but it's it's how football is these days, that clubs like Burnley have to develop players and make profits where they can. And I think Gray, although we did pay 
a lot of money for a club of our size is a player that we could make a lot of money on. I'm pretty sure that Gray actually said that himself when he signed, didn't he? I think he said yeah. he actually said that the likes of Rodriguez, Austin, Ings were were a big part of his decision to come to Burnley. Yeah, me, you, you look at obviously he said in his first interview that um, he spoke with Bristol City and it, it wasn't for him. And you know, I think that is, you know, when you look at the the recent players, and I mean, you can go back quite a few years as well, like players who weren't necessarily even having the best careers. Uh, before and you know, particularly maybe someone like Andy Gray stands out. He he had shown early promise in his career and then he was dire for years. And he came to Burnley and he was banging. Then you know he got a big money move. So it didn't work out for him. But if you look back, players tend to score at Burnley. It could be players that even weren't going that well before. And I can buy is another example. Um, so I don't know. Is there something in the water in in the Burnley area that that brings the best out in strikers? But he, you know he's probably looked at that and thought I'm. If I do well here, I'm going to get myself a good move. I think that, that's definitely a case, and I don't mind that. I think some fans would probably be a bit um, unhappy to, to have someone so obviously ambitious for playing for a big club, but that's, that's the way football is. That's where the big money is. That's where the opportunity to play international football, European football is. And I think it's inevitable that if Gray does well for us, he's not going to be here very long. But if he does well for us, that's good for us. So wins all around. There can't be many championship clubs um, who have had three former strikers well three strikers go on to 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 get England call-ups so that's uh that, that says a lot I think doesn't it exactly and even going further back Gary Cale was captain in England recently and although we only had him for a year I think he came on a long way at the club so I think we are seen as a club that can can develop players and I think that's going to be very good for for attracting players because we're never going to be able to pay big money for players alright we spent money on Gray but even him I think Bristol City had eight bidders but we managed to get him so it's, it's we have to have other things going for us um, Robbie to come back to the Bolton game not really a local derby it has that bit of needle because of the Owen Coyle thing that people are still bitter about several years later um, but a home game against a team at the bottom traditionally the sort of game that we would maybe not do that well in but again very positive that we put them away with minimum of fuss really in the end although again we didn't play that well yeah I, I felt the first half were a little bit even I think the Bolton I think it was uh, Wellington Silva who used to play for Arsenal he was a, a bit of a threat but other than that Bolton didn't really offer a great deal uh, second half we were really good I think second half against Bolton probably the, the nearest we've come to like seeing the Burnley we expect um, really good goals Andre Gray nearly got a hat trick as well uh, and it could have been more than two as well, which which were a shame because we need to we deserve to batter a team. We haven't seen that for quite a while. For anyone who is still upset about the the ten years ahead of us comment as well, John, it must have been quite sweet for for Bolton to be bringing on Emil Heskey of all players, while we've got a six million pound striker who's probably going to be one of the top scorers in the league. That shows the the difference between the clubs now. Yeah, when. When Kyle left and he said the comment about the five ten years, it's just it makes you laugh now. And where is he now? Is he in America somewhere? Um, but yeah, it, it it just shows how well well run the club is, and uh, we've used the money wisely. And I, I think I think a lot, not many of their squad would even get their team would get into our squad, let alone our team. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see, I wasn't at the Bolton game, so I can't really comment on it that much. But it was it, it's kind of a routine win against a team who were bottom of the league. Looking ahead then, as as Jordan mentioned a bit earlier, two home games, uh, probably before the next podcast against Huddersfield and Fulham. Two more games that you'd probably expect us to win if we're going to be up there at the end of the season. They're both safely in mid-table. And we need to, to make the turf a fortress, don't we really, Kevin, if we're going to be promotion contenders. These are the sorts of games that we need to to make sure we get maximum points from and close that gap on Brighton. Yeah, well, I think it's exactly what you'd ask for, I think. Um, if you if you you look at what you what you want to follow up uh, a big win against Blackburn up, you definitely want a home game to to follow that up, and you want two winnable but still challenging games. Um, I think that when you're playing teams at the very bottom like Bolton, you can always be quite nervy in, in that you can slip up quite easily, and if you do, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. Um, but these are I think this is exactly what you what you've been looking for. Um, the the crowd is going to be you'd, you'd imagine. In, in really high spirits after after beating Blackburn, uh, and to have two go home games in quick succession, um, which which you'd at least you'd hope us to get 
six points from uh, and if not that you'd, you'd, you'd be looking at least at least four points but ideally be wanting to win both of them um but yeah i think the, the place should be blocking i think hopefully this can be that 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 spell that really kicks off our season properly um not just the fans but the team the team will be in high spirits and if we can come here get two two big wins um with a really good atmosphere two good performances this could be the the, the spell that really gives us um reason to stop talking about um, every week on a podcast talking about how we're not playing in- entirely well and we can actually start saying about how actually we're, we're starting to marry up performances and points positivity on an all in ever podcast from kevin robinson wonders wonders will never cease um there could be a case of after the lord measure potentially um in the after after a game where you've put a lot in and there'll been celebrations afterwards there can be a bit of a letdown afterwards. So, James, with these two games, we are going to learn a lot about the the mentality and the desire of the group. It's the sort of games that, if we're going to be up there, we're going to have to win, but probably win without really stretching ourselves. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, you'd expect that, that Huddersfield shouldn't pose much of a challenge. For us. We, we don't have, to... have a great record against Huddersfield in recent years. They've so been a bit of a bogey club for us. Yeah, but, you know... Dash would tell you that's background noise and they ignore things like that, or you know, trends are meant to be broken. Um you know, you'd think we should we should beat Huddersfield at home. Um Fulham might be a little bit more difficult, you know, they they should be quite confident after, you know, the the beating they handed out to Reading, who are, you know, look like a very good side when they came to the turf. Um but no, definitely those two should be should be ones that, that we win and you know, you'd like to think win comfortably. And, you know, if the way we've been playing, uh, but still winning is anything to go by. Then you know if you can find the maybe second gear, then it should be too difficult for us. <laughs> second gear would be nice. Um, Robbie, do you agree with James and Kevin that we should be looking at six points, four points as a minimum from these two games to to keep up the momentum and some clean sheets will be good as well because we have been better defensively. Yeah, I expect us to dispatch others field quite easily, but the Fulham one's an interesting one because I, I watched them against QPR and they look quite good. And I think they came from two down against Reading as well during the week. So I think they're quite a decent side. I think the, the uh, young lad Dembele up front looks a really good player as well. And then they got Ross McCormack as well, who's got goals at his level. So I, I, I think look, Fulham, Fulham is the is I'll take a, a point there. So four points for the next two, I'll definitely take. We'll end with um, some more solid predictions as we always do. Then Jordan, we'll come to you first. Would you be expecting a couple of wins, or are you a bit more cautious, like Robbie? Um, I think we'll dispatch for this field. I think we're too strong for them on Saturday. Even though, as to, as to quote Dice, he'll keep them relentless, and yeah, he loves he loves that turn of phrase. Um, but against Fulham, tricky customers. If we come out with a four points out of the two games, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Obviously, you want the six, but you you got to be realistic of the championship because any team can come and bite you uh, in the backside, so to speak. So yeah, four points out of the the two games of the winning against Huddersfield and a. A draw, a score draw against Fulham. Two two points a game on average is always acceptable. I'd say I wouldn't be too disappointed with four points, but a couple of wins would would really get that momentum going, wouldn't it, James? It would push us on. Are you confident that we can be, win them both? Yeah, I think you know winning them both shouldn't be shouldn't be a difficult task. Particularly as I said, if we can uh, can find the next gear, um, you know maybe out the two you'd say Fulham could be the more difficult one. Um, because you know, there is some decent players in, in that side, even though they, they don't normally show it. Um, but I, you know, I, I probably expect six points, and, and that's I think that's what we need when you, you know, you look at the next game after that is Wolves, and you know they're a team that that might cause us a few problems, especially at their place. I think Kevin's right when he says like a couple of wins there could really kick us on, and especially if if we start to deliver the performance that, that maybe we've been threatening. There's been hints of what we're careful of. I think there was a 10-minute spell in the first half at Rovers where we were really on top and looked really, really good. But apart from that, it's just it's little periods in games. We, I don't think we've even really put a half together where I think we've been really impressive. Um, Kevin, finally come to you then. You've been very positive all night. I assume you're going to go for two big wins, like 4 5 nil each game. Oh, that's so negative. It's got to be at least double figures, Jim. Come on. <laughs> double hat-tricks are on Ray Gray. Uh, no, but yeah, I think like, I, agree, I agree what you said, Ben. We've been, there's been um, certainly lots of uh, more and more periods every match, I think, where we've been looking fluid and good. Um, 
this is probably going to come back and bite me. I'm going to go for a nice big 3-0 win uh, against against Huddersfield. Um, I think the, the Fulham, uh, like like I think Jordan said, will be a, a bit more tricky. They've certainly got some some strong players in there. And obviously, from coming back from two goals, they've got some good character in there, as um, as, as Dyche and Rogers would say. Um, so I'm going to go for a, a 2-1, 2-1 victory over Fulham as well. So six points. You've got to be positive. After. You've got to, you can't you can't beat Blackman and then come in with some saying we're going to drop points. You've got to be you've got, we've got to be positive now. That's predictions then for this week's None and Ever podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Thanks to to Jordan who joined us for the first time. Robbie, Kevin, and James, the usual guests. Um, if you've got any feedback or comments or anything about the podcast, please do get in touch. The email address is podcast at noneandever.net. Um, if you want to come on the podcast, please do give us a shout as well. We're always after new people to come on. Um, the Facebook is facebook.com slash knownandevernet. Twitter is the same. It's at knownandevernet if you want to get in touch or follow us through any of that sort of stuff. And finally, as ever, thanks to our sponsors at Neville G. We couldn't do the podcast without them. So thanks to everyone, and we'll be back next week for hopefully another fun-filled, positive podcast with Kevin Robinson been amazingly positive and all positive hooray we're gonna get relegated (laughs) that's it for this week bye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.